Amen. Good singing this morning. If you would, take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 6. And we're going to begin in verse 1. If you have the uh, mobile app, it uh, should open up for you. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. And we're looking at the uh, New King James Version this morning. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. In our uh, college and career life in the Word uh, class this morning, we started out with this question that I had written on the board, and that is, what are some of the most important decisions that you will make that doesn't involve God? What is some of the most important decisions that you will make in your life that doesn't involve God? And we look at the statistic that the average person makes seven decisions a day, 25,000 decisions a year, and depending on their lifespan, could be two million decisions they'll make in their life. And so I put it out, and guess what? In that college and career class, we had a rare moment, silence. No one said a word. But I saw minds thinking, wheels turning, and some brave soul finally spoke up and said, well, all decisions that are important involve God. And I said, you got me. I could not pull the wool over your eyes. I thought if I hit at it pretty quickly that they would start spouting off things. And But no, they were on top of it. They caught me. There are no important decisions in life that we make that doesn't involve God. And if all the important decisions in life involve God, then shouldn't we be all in? And especially when it comes to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, shouldn't we be all in with Jesus? We're going to look at Romans chapter 6 this morning that tells us how much Jesus is all in to us. And if He's all in to us, and all important decisions in life involve God and involve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then shouldn't we be all in with Him. Some of you may have made this decision. We have the kind of the picture that we have put out that the most common expression of all in is when someone's playing poker. Now, we're not promoting poker. I do not encourage you to play poker. I discourage you to do that. But it's an expression that is most linked to poker and that is I'm putting it all on the table, putting all my chips in. I am all in, which means with this hand that I've got, I'm betting it all that I'm a winner. And when it comes to Jesus Christ, I'm the same way. I'm putting it all in, I'm laying it all on the table, and I am betting that I am going to be a winner. And all in with Jesus. But sometimes people live their lives like they're really not all in. It's almost like, as we talked about in Life in the Word this morning, it's like some people just don't get it. There was a missionary in Africa one time that I read about a story where he was working with this particular native of Africa. And he had had a bad background, a criminal background, and he was trying to nurture him and mature him in the Lord and getting him to realize that uh, his need of the Lord and got him made a decision and was trying to get him to understand that it's an all-in decision when you give your life to the Lord, and that you've got to abandon those other things and just put it all into the Lord's hands. Knowing as he was talking to him that he had a background of some crime and stealing and so forth. And he said, I know that your nature, and he said, when I say your nature, I know that 
we have inherited a sinful nature and it comes from, and he could tell he wasn't really getting, he said, you know, I know that we inherit a sinful nature from our parents and our grandparents. It's kind of born into us. But he said, you got to abandon that and be all in for the Lord. Time went by and he found out that this uh, African that he had been working with, this African native, had stolen some things. And he approached him and he said, you know, I, I've been telling you that, you know, I know you got a sinful nature and I know it, but you got to be all in. you got to abandon those things and be all in for Jesus. And he stopped and looked at him and the African native said, it's grandfather in my bones. So which the missionary kind of looked at him and then he realized what he was saying. I've told him you get a sinful nature from your parents and your grandparents. So his excuse is, it's grandfather in my bones. He continued to work with him over a period of time. He could see that his life was changing and he was abandoning things in his life and he was starting to live for the Lord and seemed to really be all in. And so he asked him one day, he said, how you doing with your sinful nature? How are you being all in now? I can see changes in your life. And he said, well, grandfather still alive but he don't get around like he used to. What was he saying? That sinful nature is still alive in me, but it's, it's not as active in my life. It's not getting around like it used to. I am making some changes in my life. What he was saying is, I'm all in with Jesus. I'm making some changes. That native of African American or African was beginning to get the reality of what it means to be all in with Jesus. He was starting to really get it. Well, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome in these scriptures in Romans chapter 6 really gives us uh, probably one of the most clear pictures of what it means to really be all in with Jesus. And I'm going to read this in, in verses 1 through 14 in Romans 6 from the New King James Version. It says this, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, why did the Apostle Paul ask that question? He had been teaching them that where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. What he was trying to teach them was that, yes, when you sin, God's grace is greater than your sins. We have sung that song before, grace that is greater than our sins. So he had been teaching them that, yes, you may sin, but God's grace is greater. You can overcome your sins. And now he's asking the question, well, if God's grace is greater than our sins, what shall we say then? Well, let's just continue to sin. So we might see more of God's grace. And the Apostle Paul said in verse 2, Certainly not. How shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it? He said, it's not about living in sin so that you can say, ha ha, God's grace. Let's just see God's grace at work. I'm just seeing how much God's grace. He said, no. Forbid. Certainly not. The purpose of living our life and being all in with Jesus is not to sin and just say, God's grace will cover it up. He said, no. How shall we live, or how, how shall we who died in sin live any longer in it? Now verse 3 says this, Or do you not know that as many as a, of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Get a little serious here. Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. So that sounds a little bit strange about this baptized and buried. 
But basically put it in plain language, the Apostle Paul said, when you accepted Christ, you were baptized into Christ. The baptism he's talking about is really a baptism that we've received His Spirit. He could be relating also to a water baptism because the Bible tells us to repent and be baptized. But he's saying we are new in Christ. The water baptism represents the old person being going down and being dying out and being washed and coming up clean and new in Christ. And so here the Apostle Paul says our sins have died with Jesus. and We've been raised to a newness of life. We have now have a new life that's beyond the sin of the past. Now verse 5 says this, For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, meaning Jesus, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. That sounds pretty good, coming to new life and having eternal life. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man, old woman, old child, was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So the Apostle Paul said, when we accept Christ, the old person, the old sins of our life have been crucified with Christ. Now I want you to hang on to that because when we get to verse 10, we're going to see a very important statement and see the reality of how that not only should we be all into Jesus, but because Jesus is all in to us. It makes no difference what your name is. Whether your name is Nita, whether your name is Angela, whether your name is Joyce or Michael or Carson, Jesus is all in to you. He knows your name. He knows the hairs of your head. He is all in to you. And so he says this in verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. Christ died once. And here's what it says. Verse 10, For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life that He lives, He lives to God. Now I said verse 10 is a very important statement, a very important verse because it says <coughs> that Jesus died once for all sin. That means that every sin that I've ever committed, Jesus died for it once. It means that every person in this congregation, no matter what your background is, no matter what sins you've committed, Jesus died once for all your sins. All the sins of the past and all the sins of the future. Jesus did it all, all at once. You know what we could say about Jesus? Jesus is really all in to us. When you say that, he didn't say, okay, I'm going to die for those sins of yours that were these particular sins, but these sins were too bad. I can't do that. He said, I'm dying for all of them. If you've committed murder, I'm dying so that you could have for forgiveness if you accept my free gift. If you've committed adultery, I'm dying for that sin. If you've lied, if you've stolen, if you've cheated, if you've thought a bad thought, and the Bible says that as we think in our hearts, it's as if we've already committed it. And so Jesus is saying, whatever the sin is, whether it's a sin that you've committed or a sin that you've omitted, the Bible tells us that we know to do good and we don't do it, that's a sin. So it makes no difference what the sin is. Jesus is saying here that He died once for all of us for all sins. He was all in 
to all of us, no matter what your name is. Verse 11 says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign. What's it mean to let sin reign? Don't let it take control. I used to love to ride horses. And when I rode a horse, I never jumped on a horse without a bridle. You know why? Because without that bridle, I had no control over that horse. But when I put that bridle on the horse and it had a bit in its mouth, and I could take those reins, turn it left or right, I had control. I could pull back on it and he didn't like that bit pushing back in its mouth, it'd stop. I had control. And so I understand the principle of reign. It says in verse 12, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't let sin have control in your life. That you should obey its lust. And the Bible tells us that sin begins with a lust and a desire. And then it gives birth to sin. And then sin leads to death. But verse 13 says, And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Why did he throw that in at the end? You're not under law. The law being the commandments of God. And that is the fact that the Apostle Paul wanted every one of us to understand that no matter how good you are and no matter if you've even been considered a goody two-shoes. I don't know what goody two-shoes has to do. Anybody know? Maybe you can tell me that later. But anyway, no matter even if you consider yourself a goody two-shoes, we have all sinned is what the Bible says. And the wages of sin or the penalty or the price of sin is death. So just as we asked the question this morning, what's the most important decision of your life? We all came in the college and career, we came to this conclusion, the, the most important decision in our life is what we're going to do with God and our sin. What are we going to do with God and the fact that the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages or the penalty, the price that we've got to pay for our sins is death. But the Bible says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what are we going to do with God and our sin, because that's the most important decision of our life. And as I read that verse 10, the Bible tells us very clearly, Jesus is all in to us. He died once for all sins, for all mankind, if we'll accept His gift of salvation. So if we're all into Jesus, and this Bible tells us right here He's all into us, I noticed that something began to stand out to me and it is apparently we still have a struggle with grandfather in our bones. You know what I mean? That sinful nature, that sin wants to continue to pop up. And from what I see here that the Apostle Paul said, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? He said, certainly not. God forbid. He's saying basically the old saying about drugs. You say to sin, just say no. Just say no. Well, why should I say no? You know, I said that some people just don't seem to get it. We were studying in life in the Word this morning. The Apostle Paul said that he wished that all the Israelites, all the Jews, could be saved. He said they have zeal. They're going through all the religious things. They're going through all the steps. They're doing all the things of, okay, I'm going to church and I'm giving some offering and I, I do this, I do that. So I'm okay. But he said they don't have any knowledge of the real truth. And that is, we've all sinned and we've got to do something 
and accept that free gift of Jesus Christ. And so he said, here is where it all comes down to. We've got to be all into Jesus if we're really going to get it. It's not about doing one, two, three, four, but it's giving your life totally to Christ. But yet we still struggle sometimes with this issue about sin. And so as I read these Scriptures, one of the things that the Bible is telling me here is that I've got to say no to sin because Jesus died for my sins. I've got to learn, and it's very clear in this Romans chapter 6, that the Apostle Paul is saying, if you're really all into Jesus like Jesus is all into you and I, we've got to say no to sin because Jesus died for our sins. And that's what he begins to talk about. That He died on the cross and He died in so that He could put to death all the sins of mankind if we accept His, per uh, His perfect gift of salvation. So if we're really all into Jesus, I've got to say no to sin because Jesus died for my sins. And you know what? I think that sometimes people can hear that, but they just don't really get it. I want you to look at the person sitting next to you. don't matter if it's left or right. Just look at them. Now I want you to think about this. No matter what you think about that person who's sitting next to you that you just looked at, if that person had put their life on the line and came near to death to save your life, do you think you'd feel a little bit different about that person? You were sitting right there beside them and you're thinking... They almost died to save my life. No matter what you think about them right now, I guarantee you it would make an impact on your own personal life. You know why that I try to be all in for Jesus? is because that hits me that way. It's not just a story in the Bible. It's not just something that said that if you want to be saved and you want to go to heaven, you need to know that Jesus died for your sins and accept His perfect gift. But I've got to begin to be all into Jesus. And when sin is tempting in my life, as it's very clear that the Bible tells us it is, I've got to be willing to say no to sin because Jesus died for my sins. And He is worth me giving a little extra effort in my life to say no. Why is it important to say no to sin? Because sin sucks us in and entraps us in our life. And so I've got to learn to say no to sin because Jesus died for my sins. But i also got to learn to say no to sin because Jesus gave me victory over my sins. It's not that Jesus just died for my sins, but He doesn't want us to continue to live in sin. And here's what the Bible says. If you look at uh, verse 7, it says, For he who has died has been freed from sin. Freed from sin. Meaning that when Jesus died for me, He died, died in such a way that I don't have to be continually enslaved in sin, but I actually have freedom from sin and can live without it. Sin is tempting. The, the sin is kind of like if any of you have ever seen someone who has done uh, the, um, what's it called, Joyce Cross Stitch? Where it has a pretty picture on the back front, but the back is all knotted up. Cross stitching. If you've ever seen somebody that's done cross stitching and they've taken a needle and thread and they've put together this picture and it looks so pretty on the front, but then when you flip it over on the back, it looks like a knotted, tangled up mess back there. Well, that's the way that sin is. Satan gives us the picture that everything looks good and it's pretty and attractive, but he doesn't tell us that when we really get kind of deep into it, it is actually sin is a mess. 
It makes a knotted up, tangled up mess out of our life. And Jesus is letting us know through the Scriptures that He died so that we can be free from sin. We don't have to be enslaved to it. We don't have to be trapped by it. matter of fact, in the Scriptures I read, it says that we don't have to be mastered by sin. Meaning sin doesn't have to be in control of our life manipulating us into the things that we do and the decisions that we make. So I can say no to sin because Jesus died for my sins and because that Jesus gave me victory over my sins. But I also can say no to sin because Jesus gave me a new life that is better than sin. The Bible tells us in those Scriptures that I read, it says that we will walk in newness of life tells us through these Scriptures that we have been raised into resurrection by the power of Christ, that uh, we are no longer under law, but we're under grace. It's telling me that I have a newness of life, and that newness that I have in Christ is a life that is far better than sin. Now I want to tell you something that may be shocking for you to hear from the mouth of the pastor of this church. But sin sometimes is fun. And sin sometimes feels good. Everybody with me on that? Some of you may have never heard a preacher say that sin sometimes is fun and sin sometimes feels good. I would be lying to you if I said that it doesn't. The problem is sin destroys. You remember I told you that sin starts out as a lust, a desire, and then it gives birth to sin, and then sin gives an end of death. Sin can be fun for a while. And sin can feel good. But I have found that for every aspect of sin that can be fun for a while or feel good in a moment, God has given us something that is far better, that is still fun and still feels good. One of the things that consumes the world today that draws people in sin is the sin of sexuality and being involved in sin, committing adultery, and fornication and all these things. But you know what? God is the one who created sex. And He created it as a bond between a husband and a wife for a bonding, enjoyable, fun, good-feeling relationship. And I hope all of you husbands and wives have fun and feel good. God created it that way. That is no lie. But to take it out of the text of what God designed it for, is to be sin, and sin destroys. It destroys marriages, it destroys families. Chris Pierce that gave his testimony last week and he didn't have enough time to share all of his testimony. And matter of fact, he's not here today and he sent me a text. He said, a buddy of mine's going to be at such and such church that's close by and I want to go hear him. I don't want you to think I preach and leave. So for those of you who are saying, where's that guy that preached last week? He went to see a buddy at another church. Hopefully he'll be here next week because I done told y'all all that. But he didn't share in his testimony about the fact of how that, to get some relief of pressures in his life, he started fishing with some guys and they were drinking and he started drinking. And the next thing he knows, he gets addicted to drinking. And as he shared in his testimony, he passed out in his front yard in front of his children looking out the window. It's five children. And now he's struggling. He's lost his marriage. And he's struggling with a relationship in some of his children because sin sucked him in. The relief of the pressures felt good for a while. It was fun fishing with those guys, but it destroyed. 
And no matter what aspect that you look at life, it always does that. Sin always starts out seeming fun, feeling good, but in the end it always damages and destroys. And for that reason, the Lord is telling us in these Scriptures that we've got to learn to say no to sin. And we need to be motivated by the fact that Jesus died for our sins, that He gives us victory over sin, and that He gives us a new life that is better than sin. The problem in our lives is a lot of times we think, okay, I want to go to heaven and, and, I, and I want to uh, feel like that I'm okay. So I'm going to say a prayer and I'm going to invite Jesus in my life, but we continue to hold on to certain sins in our life. And you cannot hold on to sin and be all in with Jesus. You cannot be all in with Jesus and hold on to any sin. And yet sometimes we do that. I don't know if any of y'all, I'm sure some of you did because you went through the Thrive class, but we, we offered Thrive class at our church and several people in our church went through it, including my wife. And when she went through it and was trying to uh, kind of follow the Thrive eating, I, I told her I would do it too so we kind of be on the same page, eat the same food, cook the same things. And so she started out teaching me about Thrive and how that you eat by Thrive. And she said, one of the things is the combination of foods. So she started telling me, you know, about if you eat this, you don't need to eat this with it because they kind of clash with each other and it causes issues about keeping your weight down and so forth. And you know, when she's telling me those things, I was thinking, this sounds a little complicated. But it's okay. It's okay. I can do that. I, she started telling me some of the combinations and I thought, okay, I can not eat this with that unless I've got this. That's no problem. And then we came on and we, she just continued to teach me through a period of time and one of the things that she hit was that with the Thrive, you really kind of cut down on your fats. I'm like, okay, that's no problem for me. I can handle it. I'm all in, baby. I can, I can watch the combinations. I can watch the fat. And then she came down to this. And sweets. I'm like, I'm almost all in. You know what? Some of us treat Jesus that way too. Hey, I can do this combinations. I can go to church. I can sing the songs. I can, I can give a little offering. I can do this. I can do that. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. To be all in with Jesus, I got to give up this area of my life or I got to make this change. Yeah. It's all in to Jesus. But I can tell you this. Jesus is all in to you. He's all in to you. I can't be all in and hold on to any sin. Are we all perfect? Can we live perfect lives? No. Will we sin? Yes. The difference of what the Lord is teaching us in His Word is if you're all in with Jesus, it's a difference of maybe making a mistake and asking forgiveness and try, striving to overcome it or whether you just hold on. You can't be all in and hold on. Just like in poker, you can't say I'm all in and you're hanging on to some chips. You're either all in or you're not in at all. It's the same way with Jesus. You're either all in, you're not in at all. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to You today. And Lord, we thank You for Your grace and Your mercy and Your love. And Lord, we thank You, God, for this Scripture. And Lord, I think that if nothing else, You want us to just take away this one thing. I can't be all in and hold on to my sin. I can't be all in and hold on to my sin. And Lord, we know that Your Word is very clear. It's so beautiful that where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. 
But the clearness of the Scripture also tell us, should we continue on sinning? Certainly not. It's just like when I married my wife. I couldn't go on dating other women. Couldn't have any type of relationship, even a little kiss every once in a while. Because I was all into her. I married her, gave all of me to all of her. And Lord, I think that Your Scripture is teaching us today that it's the same way with living for Jesus. If we're going to be all in like You were all in for us, dying once for all our sins for all of us, no matter if we've murdered or stolen, cheated or lied, no matter whether we've kind of held back, it makes no difference. You, you died for all of our sins. Lord, it's such a beautiful picture to know that You gave all, You were all in to us. And Lord, I just wish every person in this congregation would just take their name and just plug it in there. Cowboy. Sally. Woody. Michael. Every person. Rhett would just plug in their name and say, Jesus is all in to me. And Brett, Brett, Michael, I'm going to be all in to Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, that for any sin that someone may be struggling with in their life that's holding them back to experiencing all of Your grace, mercy, love, and boundless blessings, Lord, anything that someone's holding on in their life that's preventing them to be all in for You, Lord, I pray that today they would let it go. And to know that no matter how they may feel like they're embarrassed, or no matter how that they may feel like somebody will look down upon me, may they know today that You died once for all sins, for all people, and You just want to be all in to them, that they'll just be all in to You. Lord, I love You. And I thank You for dying for my sins. Lord, I have some shameful sins in my life that I don't even like to talk about. But Lord, I'm thankful that You died for them all. You are all in to Brett Yeager. You're all in to every person's name in this congregation. You are all in and still are all in for us. And You want all that's best for us if we just give all to You. Lord, sometimes when somebody thinks of putting all in, they're thinking, man, I'm going to come up short. I'm going to miss out on something. But I've, Lord, I've found that when I give all to You, Your blessings far exceed anything that I abandoned. And Lord, I rejoice. Thank You for the victory. Thank You for giving Your life. Thank You for the newness of life You've given me. In Your holy name I pray.